and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Ben Sandick here, talking to you guys Thursday night. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. Uh, we're not going to do three podcasts in a week, but we are this week. This is the way things worked out. Excited today. We've got, look, the Washington football team against the Dallas Cowboys is not the rivalry that it once was, but it is a game, and Lord help us all. It is a game on some level for first place in the NFC East, even with Washington at one and five. So I got into what is going on with this team and what's going on with that team with uh, John Machota, our Dallas Cowboys uh, insider for the athletic. Uh, He had three questions for me about what's going on here. Uh, I had three for him. It was kind of a fun way to, to have this uh, conversation. So excited for you guys to hear that. Um, that will be here momentarily on the Standard Room Only podcast. Of course, you can also check out our other podcast this week. Uh, uh, just on thir- uh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, I put up a podcast with um, Nikki Jabala from the Washington Post talking about Ron Rivera's latest mixed messaging, plus my uh, uh, my other pal from The Athletic, uh, Brittany Giroli, our Nats insider, uh, talk to me about Juan Soto, what's it like uh, been dealing with covering teams during the pandemic, and uh, a bunch of other randomness that, that was a lot of fun there. And then if you missed it from the beginning of the week, Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch and I broke down uh, Sunday's loss in New York. We were both up there. So uh, plenty to, to listen to. You can, of course, find everything we've got here on the Standard Room Only podcast on iTunes, on uh, Spotify, should be good for Google Podcasts. I think we're still working on Stitcher, but hopefully just about everywhere you want to find a podcast, you will find it. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, I'm at Ben Standig. I don't want to dawdle. I want to get right into it. Um, I guess I will just say, uh, as I said, this we're doing this on Thursday night. I guess the one thing we need to keep an eye on from an injury perspective in particular, Jaron Christian missed practice today with with a bit of a knee issue he was kind of gimpy there uh, we, we saw him doing some drills but ultimately he he went off on the side Ron Rivera today told us he thinks uh, it's not a big deal he expects Jaron Christian back out there uh, practice Friday we'll see they already have obviously <laughs> some plenty of concerns um, on offense down to three you know main wide receivers we're gonna have to have two guys from the practice squad come up they today brought Tamark Hemingway up from the practice squad to be one of the three tight ends, release Marcus Baugh. Uh, we'll maybe discuss that some other some other time. Uh, obviously, Sadiq Charles is out along the line. So lots of uh, – look, obviously, none of these players are, are, are that, oh, oh my Lord, they, they can't live without this guy. But, you know, you keep taking away a little thing, little thing, little thing and at some point it all adds up and you know Jaron Christian's been at least okay this year at left tackle if he's out then uh you know we'll see we'll see what happens Cornelius Lucas did not look good at left tackle at all during camp and David Sharp hasn't even played really at all so um big questions if if Christian can't go but we'll see what happens at tomorrow's practice um all right enough of that here we go let's start talking week seven Washington Dallas here on the standard room only podcast all right. Uh, regardless of whether anybody wants this game to happen or not, there will be a game Sunday. It will be the rivalry game, if that's still a thing. I don't know. We'll ask our guest what he thinks about that. Uh, he is our uh, Dallas Cowboys writer for the Athletic, John Machota. Sir, how uh, I wanted to talk to you about the game, but honestly, I also just wanted to check in because if you're like our situation over here is fairly bleak, but we didn't have high expectations. I can only imagine how it's going on your end where you guys are in quote unquote in first place with two wins and it feels like it's hair on fire all over the place. Oh, it's a mess here. I mean, this is, I don't, I mean, you know, it's the same as, as, as you guys with the having a new coaching staff and I'm sure you're hearing all the time about how much more difficult it is for them to implement what they want to do, not having the regular off season, not having preseason games. And we've heard a lot of that, but, we didn't expect it to be like this. And if you just even take that stuff out of it, it just from week one to week six, forget all the stuff before that. Like, I don't know that you're, you're not seeing a better product than you saw week one than not right now. Then you're not seeing the improvement from week to week. And it's just kind of like, um, it was, it's surprising to be honest with you. I mean, they hired this very veteran staff. I know Jim Tom Sula is one guy that I'm sure you're familiar with there. Um, and they just, it just hasn't clicked with the players at all. I mean, and then you lose Dak Prescott, who, um, 
you know, he's been like Iron Man for them. He hasn't missed a start, you know, up until that point uh, through his entire career, dating back to week one of 2016. And so uh, things aren't in a good direction here. I'll tell you that right now. And, and it's just crazy to think that they're first place in the division because nothing about this team. There's not one area of this team that is playing like a first place team. I mean, there's there's things that you can be critical about in every aspect of the way that they play football. So, uh, yeah, you're right. This this game on Sunday it's going to be pretty ugly. I, I understand there, there, there was a rivalry and there probably still is to, to some people, but, uh, um, I don't, I don't know how much bragging rights you get out of winning this game on Sunday. Oh, I don't, I don't think, I don't think you get anything in the rivalry thing. Uh, we can discuss that really quick. So just to be clear, so those who are listening, uh, what I told John is we're going to, I came up with three questions to ask him. He's got three questions to ask me that way. It's not just, uh, some just generic uh, nonsense because I'm curious, like watching from afar, like what is what is happening, and I presume on some level you are as well. But on the rivalry front, I tweeted the other day: Is this the least anticipated rivalry uh, game in this rivalry? It, I mean, it, it, some people pointed out there was a Monday night game in the early part of the century where they were both zero and four, and I would argue that's a fun car wreck to watch two winless teams and at least for like for both of those teams there were still whiffs of like for Washington there were still whiffs of the of the good stuff uh you know it's been a long time removed and I guess to you guys somewhat somewhat the same this is I, honestly I mean I grew up with this rivalry I I you know the, uh, beyond the Super Bowl wins probably my two favorite Washington games as a fan one was the uh 1982 NFC uh championship game where uh dexter manley knocks out danny white and that was like getting over getting past dallas to get to the super bowl was a huge hump the other one was the replacement game where in the in the third game in, in uh, 87 the, the replacement the washington team with only replacement players beat a dallas team that had danny white dorsett and randy white and some others could not love those games more and now literally i it is a game it is the seven it is the seventh week seven the opponent is dallas that's all i got yeah, I mean, my my following of, of both teams doesn't go that nearly that far back. I mean, I'm originally from Detroit, and so, uh, I mean, I, I know of the Cowboys from basically one— Well, like, do the fans—do the fans give a crap? Hmm. If you would ask me that two weeks ago, I would have said, yeah, but this this past loss, Monday Night Football, to lose to that Cardinals team 38-10— to 10, and it doesn't appear like there's any fix coming anytime soon. And then your your leader, your your franchise quarterback, you already know is done for the season. Like there's no, oh, well, maybe you get him back in week seven, or, or I'm sorry, uh, week ten or week twelve or something. No, he's he's done for the season. There's no getting him back. You know that's. Uh, and then the other thing is, they're just the injuries are just mounting. I mean, you know, for a long time this Cowboys team was known for its offensive line of, you know. Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins and Travis Frederick. Well, those all guys, those guys are definitely not playing on Sunday. And then Zach Martin, who is their best offensive lineman, he got a concussion Monday night. He's still in concussion protocol. So there's a good chance he doesn't play in that game. And so the offensive line is in shambles. Uh, Zeke Elliott isn't playing as well as he, he did back in, you know, when he was winning rushing titles. He, he's fumbled five times in the last five games. And, and the defense is just what the defense has been in Dallas. It just actually it's probably even worse uh it's it's never been a strength you know going back to when jason garrett took over the job in 2011 up until now and and it just is it, it's this is the worst product that we've seen from the defense in a long time probably yeah in over 10 years so um yeah i don't i don't sense very much of a rivalry with washington i mean the cowboys already played the giants i don't i don't really sense much of a, a rivalry between those two teams even though their former head coach is now the oc over there um the Eagles Cowboys that's definitely still hardcore rivalry. Um there's definitely that's the most that's the most dis, dislike hate if you want to say between the two uh whether it be at the games or you know on social media things like that. Um but yeah, with between Washington and Dallas, no. I I haven't noticed anything. And and really I haven't noticed much even going back to I mean really the last time that I can think of a game between the t- these two teams that was like really hyped from both sides is really when Robert Griffin was on that tear his rookie year that's like that's the last time i mean that's one thing you can criticize jason garrett for a lot of things but he took care of business in the nfc east for the most part when he was when he was coach so there hasn't been much of a rivalry since since really he took over yeah no obviously on some level there's there's both the the uh 
interpersonal dynamics as you were. We hate you, you hate us. But at some point also, you have to be relevant. And <laughs> neither team has won a Super Bowl in forever, but Washington has really not been relevant other than pockets here and there. Dallas it has like fake relevance, right. but at least they make the playoffs and there's, there's like, you know, a sense that they should be contending kind of like there was, uh, kind of was a, this year. Um, all right. So let's get to these questions. Uh, I, I, you already sort of hit on something I was going to ask you. So I'm going to hold off about the offensive line just for a second and go to something I'm just going to make up on the fly. Cause I'm, I'm interested in this. This podcast is, as I said to you coming in, it's, it's both about the football, but it's also about the therapy. And also I want to like, I'm fascinated by the idea of what, you know, those of us who do these things, I know when I was on the other side, it was always interesting to me how we go about our jobs and, and this, that, and the other. Um, uh, people get, always get the impression, I think, for reporters, like sometimes like we want these teams to, to lose or something. And trust me, uh, it's more fun when they're winning. Everybody's in a better mood. There's more, it's more upbeat. There's more stuff to cover. Losing is, is miserable for the most part. Um, and to that end, this isn't just losing. This is losing. There's a pandemic going on. I don't know what your life is like, but there's a lot happening. And, I, and I've said for me over here, like this team is going to put me over the edge. I don't mean because of the losing. It's just like my brain is already melting on with regularity. Uh, we, I said to you when we came on, you're like a new person to see. It's <laughs> exciting. I see the same handful of reporters all the time. I, that's about it. So how, how are you kind of just doing not just dealing with the pandemic, but with a team that is going through chaos, does it, do you find that like it affects your world? Like even your writing, your thinking because, Oh my God, like it's, it, 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 no matter where I turn in my life, it's freaking chaotic. I'll be honest with you. It's been just fine with me. I think normal years I would have been, <laughs> I would have, I would have disliked it. It would have been, you know, I would have looked at it more of like as, as a disappointment that, uh, I don't know. It just kind of like you get this new coaching staff. You think it's going to be all like an improvement and better. And, and obviously that isn't the case. And so, you know, going to work every day could, could get kind of boring and, and you could lose interest. But for me personally, being somebody that now I've been down here for 10 years, like all I've really done since I've moved to Dallas is pretty much dedicate my life to covering the Dallas Cowboys. And so when the pandemic first hit and there were no sports going on, I mean, I really didn't have a lot to do. I don't really have a ton of close friends down here. Most of my, my closest friends are still in Michigan. And I usually, this is that off season is the time I go up and visit my family and things like that in Michigan and, and hang out with friends. And so I didn't do that this year. And so it was a lot of just sitting around my place, you know, kind of just hanging out. And I wanted, I wanted football back as bad as anyone, uh, obviously in being safe, you know, I didn't want them just to return and just, you know, hey, if, if guys get sick, guys get sick. I mean, like if they could do it in a safe way, uh, I wanted I wanted something to cover back. I didn't I did not care how the season went. I was just happy that I was going to get back into my normal routine of having something to cover, something going on. Because um, when we didn't have OTAs and we didn't have mini camp and just you know how that draft process was, it was just it was so. I mean, I guess boring is the best way to put it, and so. I really can't complain about covering a bad football team that I think really isn't going to get much better throughout the rest of the season. I'm just kind of happy that there's something for me to do every day and, and some normalcy back in, in, in my life. Let's put it that way. So, um, but in terms of covering the team, it's way, way, way better when the team's winning. Uh, players are more talkative. I feel like there's better stories that come out uh, when teams are losing and, and you're doing interviews with the way we're doing an interview right now on a zoom call uh you know it just the behind the scenes stories just aren't there they really interesting stuff isn't there you know obviously mike mccarthy changed things from the way jason garrett ran things and so we don't have as much much access either and i think even after it once we get past you know the covid and whenever that is i don't know how much it's going to change with mike mccarthy he's very he keeps a lot of stuff um you know behind the scenes he doesn't like a lot of stuff getting out which is obviously a change like from what we've experienced with Jason Garrett. So that part's been different, but um, yeah, I definitely don't root for the Cowboys. Like I said, I grew up in, in, in Detroit as a Lions fan and I, I moved down here. Obviously like, man, it'd be awesome to cover the Cowboys and I got a chance to, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful for that opportunity. But the more I cover the team, the more I'm like, yeah, obviously I'd love to cover like a Patriots team that goes on this long dynasty run. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? But um, it affects me less and less in terms of the wins and losses. Like there are people in the press box. I'm sure you guys have some as well that you can tell it affects some people more than others, especially with like team websites and stuff like that. I'm not like that. Right. Like I don't, 
it really doesn't impact me either way. I'm going to find something to write about and uh, f- try and keep things interesting for fans uh, regardless. Right, right. Do you want to hey, yeah, go back and forth? Do you want me to ask you one back, or do you want to do the, your three, or how do you want to do that? We'll go back and forth, okay. but I'll, I'll just I'll just, just jump into that. Sure. But like, uh, yeah, I mean, just the 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 uh, I, I'm as a fan, I'm definitely dead inside. That's long gone. <laughs> the uh, and and people said to me all summer, like obviously my team, while I had the same situation as you in terms of the schedule, things changing and not not having the OTAs and such, I was busy from July until basically now. Uh, but really throughout the summer and people were like, asking me, what was that? Like, how crazy was that? I'm like, Oh, thank God that happened. I mean, obviously it was terrible for somebody for certain of the topics, but all that happening kept my mind off of the boredom and just like what is happening in the world. And to some degree that's still happening when Dwayne Haskins got benched and people were like, Oh, was that a crazy week? I'm like, you serious? Like that was easy. <laughs> okay. Go, go try uh, covering the 27 other things that were, that were happening. Um, but yeah, it's still at the end of the day. Like I, I, I struggle with, uh, disorder on some level and it has just been weird like it's not so much like like i said it's not the wins or the losses it's just wait what's happening what, what what's the, what what's the decision today you're doing what with your timeouts ron rivera what's what's going on <laughs> stuff like that it just like it just uh, hurts my brain but anyway uh yeah your turn what, what do you got for me all right um, i'm trying to think which one i'll go first with you on here uh all right i'll go with this one how many how many years away do you think the Washington football team is from being a consistent playoff contender? <laughs> I mean, I don't even, I mean, I don't even know how to answer that with any sign of sense of intelligence. I mean, if you just looked at it, forget what's happened for the last 20 years. Just here's the team today. What's it going to take? I mean, right now they don't have a quarterback, right? Dwayne Haskins, I would be surprised if he's back under center this year. Uh, Kyle Allen, I thought he did a decent job last game, but he's Colt McCoy. He's a backup. He's a guy that can come in, do a couple things for you when you're in a pinch, maybe spot start, but like, you know, you're not going to, he's not your long-term answer. And, you know, um, while the defense has some interesting pieces, we're not, they're not there yet. So, you know, until you tell like, even if they land a top five pick this year and get one of these quarterbacks in the draft, I still can't sit here and say, that they're they're going to be a contender anytime soon. At least the defense, though, seems like it could give them a puncher's chance to be pretty good. But then it goes back to the other part, what's gone on for the last 20 years, and the owner being the owner and everything that goes on. They're trying to make changes. I'm, I'm not – I'll believe it when I see it, I guess. So, honestly, I – you said a consistent playoff winner? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I, – I, I don't even I don't even want to put a number on it. I mean, I'll say, I don't know. I'll say this. I'll say I'd like to see how Ron Rivera's five-year contract plays out. I think there's I think he has traits that make me think he could get the job done. He's been given a lot of power, and he's coming at a point where they did overhaul a lot of stuff. We'll see if that takes. So I, I, at least I, I'm not going to give an answer because I can't. I don't know how, but I will just say I'll be interested to see how Ron Rivera's five years shake out and if he can. I think he could. I'm not convinced, especially with no quarterback in play. Is that a fair answer to that? Yeah, no, no, that's fine. I mean, I couldn't sit here and tell you that I think the Cowboys. I mean, if you would have asked me about six months ago, I would have been like, oh, I can see. I mean, Mike McCarthy's won a Super Bowl. You know, he's going to get this experienced staff in here. They'll be they'll be competing for playoff spots for the next, you know, four or five years. That's why they brought him in. But I look at them now, and I'm just like, ooh, doesn't seem like the players and the coaches are on the same page here. And I don't know how that just all of a sudden changes with even one offseason. Uh, they might have got, already gotten to the point of no return. So uh, I can't tell you for sure, you know. Um, so I know I'm not – it's funny, too, because I look at the rest of the, the division. I'm not – I mean, I would say – the Eagles, I guess, would be the most stable, but I don't. I look at the Giants, and I mean, like, of course, there's there's the wild card in there for Washington and New York, and that's that. If you end up with the number one overall pick, I do believe that Trevor Lawrence is the type of guy that can really, you know, kind of going back to what I mentioned earlier about that year with with Robert Griffin, you know, like if you get that quarterback, that can really spark. It, it can just it it speeds up the process. I, I'm not saying that he had instantly makes them. But if Washington was able to get Trevor Lawrence, I think all of a sudden, like, Terry McLaurin is a lot better. I think the defense plays – like, just a lot of things start falling into place, you know. So um, – and I don't feel that way. Uh, that's certainly not how I feel about every draft class and that has a quarterback like that. I really think he's like, oh, you know, once every 
10-year type quarterback. So if you're able to get that guy, I think it speeds the process up for whether it be New York or Washington. Uh, I know that there's other teams that are going to be competing to lose out as well. But if one of those teams gets – that's what I've been saying to uh, people I know that are Cowboys fans. I'm like, the last thing you want to see is one of the teams in the division to get this kid because – you're gonna have they have him for another ten or fifteen years. I mean, he's got the type of he's got the ability that I could see him winning a couple Super Bowls, regardless of the team he goes to. I guess maybe not the Jets, yeah. but anybody else. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for 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 sure. All right, my second question. Let me let me get a little football here on you. So you mentioned the defense. Okay, so I just looked up looked up some stats. Most points allowed per game: thirty six point three. Thirty first in rushing yards allowed. I think one hundred and seventy three. Uh, last in turnover differential, that's not necessarily just on the uh, defense, but shows at least that they're probably not making a lot of plays on that end. Uh, differential minus 12. Uh, what specifically, because at least, okay, look, for Washington fans who, who can't deal with the Trevor Lawrence thinking they want wins, hell, you if if Washington wins and the, and the uh, if Washington wins, they could be conceivably tied for first place <laughs> come Sunday with two wins and Ron Rivera's preaching the division and God bless everybody who wants that. What's the thing for Washington to, to pick on defensively? What's the biggest issue? Why, what is Dallas's main issue that, that, that is causing all this chaos on defense? I mean, there's a lot. There's definitely a lot of issues. I mean, that's one thing to point to right there. How could I be upset? I'm watching history being made. This is the worst defense I've ever seen. No, um, this up to this point, this this defense has a chance to be one of the NFL's worst defenses statistically uh, if they don't if they don't turn things around quickly. Um it's definitely the back end. Uh, there's been guys just running wide open, and they've never been really great on the back end. I mean, even during Jason Garrett's time there, they were solid, but they've never been bit, they've never been a team that's really caused turnovers. You know, they've never been a team that that has gotten the ball back for its offense. And um, under Jason Garrett and with Rod Marinelli's defensive coordinator, they played a little bit more of a system where they kept things in front of them. It was, hey, we might not get the interceptions, but we're not going to get beat for any big plays. Like, if you're going to go and you're going to score on our defense, you know, you're going to need 10, 15 plays to do it. You're not going to get the one-hit big play like that. This defense, it doesn't. It, it allows you to do whatever you want. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're a quarterback, you love throwing against this secondary right now. The guys are confused. They don't make plays on the ball. Um, I will say the second round pick that they had out of Alabama, Trayvon Diggs, he's the real deal. He's going to be, he's going to be a good player for them in the secondary, but that's pretty much where it ends there in terms of looking towards the future. So they got a lot to address there. And really the pass rush hasn't been there. Like you would think, I mean, they're going to get Randy Gregory back this week and that helps, but it's like, they already have Everson Griffin and Alden Smith and Demarcus Lawrence, and they just have not been getting home like you'd expect from the names like that. And so, um, it's not a very good defense. I, I think you can run on them all day long, and I think you can throw on them too. It's it's whatever you think your your strength is, go to it. I mean, I didn't think Arizona would come in there and run run quite as well as they did. I mean, even the, their last touchdown late late in the game. I mean, sixty nine yard touchdown, Kenyon Drake. I, I, when they're just trying to run the ball to just run the clock out, sixty nine yards untouched right up the middle. I mean, d- just embarrassing things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I mean. Like I said, two or three weeks ago, I would have been like looking at the schedule, like okay, Washington, they'll win that game, whatever. Like I don't, I don't know. I think it's a coin flip, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh Lord, yeah. I mean, when you say you could do whatever you want on the defense, what's your strength? And I'm thinking of Washington going. I don't know what that strength is. <laughs> Terry McLaurin is really good, but and like I said, I think Kyle Allen was okay last week, uh, but their run game, Washington's last in the NFL in yards per carry right now. Uh, their receiving core is Terry McLaurin, Dontrell Inman. Uh, Cam Sims, who caught the effectively the game tying touchdown last week, but he was basically not playing at receiver until other guys got hurt. And the other, the fourth and fifth receivers will be guys coming off the practice squad this week. So that's where that stands. So this is the, you know, uh, <laughs> this is the game where I don't know something's going to give. I don't know if Washington can score 30 points. Uh, on anybody right now, even, <laughs> even a defense that's got all the problems that you're describing. will uh, We'll, we'll see, though. I mean, you, uh, hey, you right. think that, though, but I'm telling you, like, I thought the same thing about them playing the Giants. <laughs> the Giants came in, and uh, I forgot what it was. I think they had, like, had scored three touchdowns on the entire season going in that game. And on the first drive, just boom, right down the field, touchdown. And that, that team's not good. That's not. And Saquon Barkley wasn't playing. Like, it was right. – I mean, it would – that this defense will let you score some points. And here's the other thing. The offense has got – 
a problem turning the ball over. I mean, they're averaging, you know, they're turning it over at least twice a game. And so, I mean, they're just getting annihilated in in, in the turnover battle. And so they're going to give your offense some short fields too, where all of a sudden your offense is like, well, we're not really a good offense and we're not going to go 75 yards on somebody, but we can go 30. And then all of a sudden momentum starts shifting. And I mean, hey, when Dak went down against the Giants, I mean, they were, the, the Cowboys were losing. So it's not like, you know, and I just look at the Giants. They obviously, they played Washington. I mean, that was, that's a good game. I mean, it wasn't a good game to watch, but it was a close game. Uh, so I don't know, man. Like, don't, don't be surprised if, the, if, I guess this is what I'll tell you. When the game's over, don't buy in too much to anything that Washington did successfully against them and think that it's going to carry on to other games. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, some people get like really hype. <laughs> like I remember, uh, there were some games, uh, I want to say it was Sam Darnold's first first start for the for the Jets, and it was against the Lions. I want to say it was like Monday Night Football, and he just torched them. It was like, yeah, the Lions are terrible, Sam. And then all of a sudden, it's just like he never really got back to that. And then he plays the Cowboys, and I believe it was like a Monday Night game too. And he's just dicing them up, and, and you just got these Jets fans like, we got our quarterback, we got our quarterback. And then like two weeks later, he's playing the Patriots, talking about how he's seeing ghosts. It's like sometimes you got to look at the team on the other side of the ball, you know? And that's the same thing for the Cowboys. Like if they do anything – great against Washington you can't sit there and say they've fixed this now let's go no that doesn't mean anything like you got to beat some good teams too you know so that's the thing that come out of a game like this what's crazy about it is that the division is is still on the line for it so there is some interest for it it just uh it seems like anything real positive might be fool's gold <laughs> absolutely all right what's your what's your uh, second question so disregarding the dysfunctional front office situation that you that you're dealing with there uh we'll sure. we'll take anything else outside of that what do you think is the worst part about the team you cover whether it be you know it could be on the offensive side a position group um coaching what, whatever like what do you think is like their just absolute biggest weakness on that team um well just because it was a topic today to some degree the 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 the, wep- the offensive weapons particularly in the receiving game are really just not there uh, other than Terry McLaurin who looks like he could be a pro bowl level player i mean the Steven Sims was their second best receiver going into the year and he did look pretty good at the end of last year he was an undrafted free agent last year um the third receiver is effectively Dontrell Inman who has bounced around this league and you know whatever uh their starting tight end logan thomas a former college quarterback changed positions he looks like a reasonably fine backup tight end but they have him as the starter and you know if you had aaron Rodgers as your quarterback or dak prescott went healthy there's probably enough there to work with but when you're dealing with young quarterbacks who 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 don't have that experience i mean it's one of the while i'm not going to sit here and say i think that dwayne haskins is getting screwed by getting benched or that he's you know, he's got all the answers. He should be the guy. I'm not convinced of that at all. But to give a fair evaluation with this does seem a little sketch. I think they've shown more offensive capability than people may have thought. Uh, it's like there's talent, but not proven talent. But man, it is thin. And now you've got these injuries. It is, uh, it is, it is rough. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I feel like I could come up with a, a sexier answer than that, but just in terms of like, like if they didn't, if they have a top five pick and don't draft a quarterback, man, they've got to get some offensive playmakers um, at, at, at some point here. Um, there was, a, you could point to almost any position on offense, honestly, uh, and say, yeah, they they need more. It's funny too because the Cowboys have plenty of offensive playmakers, but when your offensive line is absolutely destroyed. And you can't, you know, you have you have a backup quarterback who Andy Dalton could start for some teams and probably be okay, but he's essentially a backup quarterback for the Cowboys, and it's going to take some time for him to get on the same page with this offensive line. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, they literally could have three number one receivers. I mean, Gallup has the potential to be a number one. Ceedee Lamb has been incredible, uh, and then Amari Cooper is their number one and, and is, is paid like a number one. And then you you have Ezekiel Elliott, and it's like that stuff literally doesn't even matter without the offensive line with Dak Prescott being out, like that's supposed to be their greatest strength. And even their number four receiver, Cedric Wilson has played great this year when he's gotten opportunities. But it's like when, none, when the other things aren't working, it like, it really doesn't even matter. I mean, what it's, what it's done for them, them this year is it's prevented them from being absolutely embarrassed in a couple games because they've been able to score a bunch of points to like close the gap and make games that should have been other blowouts, like look closer on paper than they really were. 
but it's not like it's put them over the hump to where you're just like, oh, this offense, it doesn't matter what defense does. This offense can just carry them, mainly because they haven't been able to protect the quarterback and they turn the ball over way too much. So, uh, yeah, so. I, I, I'm somebody who, like, when you talk about how would you build a team, I always talk about the offensive line. You got to get the line. It doesn't oh, it's a good conversation. All right, like, I, I, I like this because I, I, I disagree. I actually like your guys' situation better. But go on. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I just think, like, I mean, if you don't have a good offensive line, it doesn't matter what you have behind it. But it doesn't work in inverse. If you have a good offensive line, you can have lesser pieces. Now, the quarterback is a different story. You can't have, you know, Joe Schmo at quarterback. You have to have somebody who can actually do some things. But, I mean, it just feels like you guys are the, the example of that. It's the investment that you guys had and the the, the, uh, the way that some of your guys developed into not just good players but really good players allowed so much else to happen, and now they're gone, and now things are not working as well. Washington's offensive line has been a struggle. Um, it's They've been okay this year, you know, but they, they just don't have – they have so many issues that it's not just one thing or the other, but they don't have anything that really works. Um, yeah, I, I just always believe if you have a strong offensive line, you can overcome a lot of other stuff. Doesn't work as well the other way. No, for, for sure. Um, and and it has been great for the Cowboys. But there is a part of me that sits here and, and has watched this team for the last decade and covered this team for the last decade and been like, okay, Travis Frederick retired early. So we'll take that out of there because if he continues to play, he gets in this group too. Tyron Smith could be going in the ring of honor, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Zach Martin, Ring of Honor, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Travis Frederick, if he doesn't retire, he's on that level too. What did what did it get the Cowboys? What did, what did they what, they got to the second round of the playoffs a couple times? That's what it got them. Like they invested so much on there, and while doing that, they neglected their defense. That ultimately was never gonna. They were never gonna be good enough to get to the mountaintop. They were never gonna be good enough because the defense wasn't there. So I'm sitting here after having seen that. Now I don't. Now, don't get me wrong. You can't have the offensive line that the Cowboys have right now where you don't even have, like, a legitimate, real, like, standout starter if Zach Martin's not playing. I just think that you don't need to invest five first-round caliber-type picks on the offensive line like they have. I'd rather have some standout defensive tackles and defensive ends. Like, I would almost rather invest on the defensive line than I would the offensive line sure. in, today's, in today's NFL. And the other reason why I say that is because I believe that as we continue to go forward, you're going to see more and more of the NFL being more of the mobile quarterback that will be able to get out of some of the, those. See, Andy Dalton's not really that mobile. He's got some mobility, but it just it really shows behind that bad offensive line. Whereas, you know, if you have somebody like, you know, Kyler Murray, his accuracy is obviously questionable. He's got, he's got things to improve on there. But the way he can get out of the pocket, he doesn't really need to be playing behind a great offensive line all the time. Now, it obviously helps. Um, but for me personally, if I have to pick between the two lines, like, and I think I feel this way just because of the team I covered. And that's probably why you feel that way about the team because of the team you covered. It just, they, the Cowboys just have not had like a dominant defensive line really since DeMarcus Ware was here, you know, and that's, that's a long time ago now. And so defensive tackle is like their worst position right now. And they're starting guys that were on the practice squad. I mean, they're starting, this Justin Hamilton was on the practice squad. He was probably their best defensive tackle against against the the Cardinals on Monday night. Like, I mean, they're just they're not getting anything there. I mean, they they signed uh, Gerald McCoy, and then he gets hurt uh, in training camp, out for the season, done, gone. Uh, Don Terry Poe has not been the guy that they thought he was going to be. Uh, Tristan Hill, their second round pick from a couple years ago, he was playing well, knee out for the rest of the season. Like their defensive tackles are just. I mean, you can run on them all day because they're not. They're not of that level. And then, obviously, the elite pass rusher to me, I'm taking the elite pass rusher over everything but quarterback. So that's why I'm telling you, like, things probably seem bleak right now for, for you. But if I'm telling you, like, if you're telling me I get to build a team. Now, granted, I don't know the ins and outs of what the future of their front office will be. But if you're going to give me a chance to build a football team and I get Trevor Lawrence and Chase Young, like – I don't know that you can give me a much better situation to start building around. Now, again, like you got to have somebody that makes the right moves on the other pieces. But if you have those two guys, I mean, I think most talent evaluators would be like, yeah, that would, that's exactly the perfect situation I'd want to have. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and like to broaden it out, like for me, like the lines in, in general, that is where I would build the, the, the playmakers. For sure, for sure. Are, are, or I would spend less. I mean, receiver, I always think, is such an overvalued Absolutely. position. Absolutely. The best receiver is touch the ball six, seven times a game when you're running 60, 70 snaps. Uh, you know, that's not enough, whereas obviously the linemen are in every play and, and so on. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, that is, yes, that 
the, the all the optimism on Washington right now is Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, that group, and what what that can happen. And yeah, uh, I, I think even for this year, with as bad as it's been, they haven't been good enough. They gave up at least thirty points four straight games prior to facing the Giants. Um, who then scored on their first three possessions uh, against them. So they need to do better, but at least that is where the uh, the, the, the hope is. But um, your your answer before about like what did the offensive line give give Dallas despite that kind of leads into my uh, my last question, and that is people when they uh, people here that can see the forest through the trees understand that no matter what kind of happens the overriding factor is that it's the same owner who's been here for two decades <laughs> and that no matter what you want to come to like even like right now with the Dwayne Haskins situation it's well documented that Dan Snyder pushed for Washington to draft Dwayne Haskins for, for certain reasons by doing that I wrote this the other day you, he screwed Jay Gruden and he screwed whoever was going to be the future coach Jay Gruden needed somebody that could help him if he was going to keep his job and the new coach gets saddled with this kid who and they may not want him it doesn't appear that Rivera Rivera does. So everything always comes back to the owner here pretty easily, except for the people who, like I said, just can't see beyond what happened yesterday. Does Jerry Jones get the same level of criticism? Because obviously he's won Super Bowls. He he built that stadium, which I would imagine gives a lot of goodwill because I have yet to go, but it feels like that's you know, you know one of the eight wonders of the world, so to speak. And he's fun. Like he's been at the bar we all go to at the Combine. <laughs> the, the Dallas bus is out there. He's in the bar. It seems like Jerry Jones is a, is the, is the fun uncle. I'm sure there's some other stuff, but does he get this? Does it when it when all said is done? Does the criticism fall back on him, or is he insulated himself enough that he doesn't the way that Dan Snyder does over and over again? Oh no, no, he gets he gets it all. Uh, everything you said is correct. Like the combine stuff, all that. You know who likes Jerry Jones? I like Jerry Jones. And you know who would like Jerry Jones? If he owned the Washington franchise, you would like Jerry Jones because it keeps it keeps things interesting. I mean, there's no secret that he is a huge part of why they're the most valuable sports franchise in the world. It's because he's always got them in the news. He's always got them involved in everything. Uh, he's saying things that are stirring stuff up. Uh, there's always the expectations and things like that. And that obviously is also has a huge downside too. And I can tell you, those... <laughs> Those Super Bowls in the '90s, they couldn't. They might as well have been in 1965, man. They are so nobody cares about that anymore. And if you even bring up that topic, it all is like all the credit goes to Jimmy Johnson, Emmitt Smith, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin. I mean, I've, I did a list. Um, uh, it was a few months. It was probably last month. Um, just ranking who who was the biggest reason for that Super Bowl success in the 90s? And I had Jerry Jones number two, and I had Jimmy Johnson number one. And there were plenty of people that were furious that I even had Jerry at number two. And I'm just like, well, he is the owner. I mean, he did he did hire everybody. Whether you, whether he's he, you don't want to give him all the credit or not, like he deserves credit for even if he just stayed out of the way and he hired Jimmy Johnson, things like He deserves, he's a big part of the reason they won those. But that is just so far you know, removed. So anyway, I was just looking at my phone and I wanted to make sure I got this, this correct. All right. So yesterday I was bored. And so I just tweeted out, I go, so what one move could the Cowboys make that would get you most excited about the rest of the season? And so I, I just checked. Okay. So it's up to 974 responses. I'm not counting every single one, but easily, easily 400 of them are, are about Jerry Jones easily. And it might even be more than that. Like he is the big, I mean, and then the other thing would be firing uh, Mike Nolan, the defensive coordinator. They, fans just they want him let go yesterday so um but no jerry jones definitely isn't skating on this uh um you know i i would say i would say if you were at a cowboys game and you were a cowboys fan and you got to this is obviously pre-covid and you got to be near jerry you would love him and you'd be taking pictures with him and all that as a cowboys fan and getting him to sign things i've seen this a million times and you would never say anything nasty to him. I've never seen a Cowboys fan say anything that. But now when they're on Twitter or calling up to a radio station or talking to their friends or whatever like that, no, he by far gets the most, the most blame for it with, without question. There's no doubt about that, that they feel like they're completely doomed. Uh, there's a lot of fans that just feel like anybody uh, would be better owning the franchise than, than Jerry Jones. Fair, fair, fair enough. I, I, I thought that might be the case, but like I said, his – 
his per- his personality is such that I was like, eh, I don't know, maybe it's not the same because Dan is so reclusive. He's not out and about the way Jerry is. He's never given you any reason to embrace him the way Jerry does. But yes, at some point, the end result, the game is, what have you done for me lately? And yes, Dallas is in the same boat. Washington is. It's been forever since they won it, won the big game. All right, I got this. Is going to be a two part question, so I'll just give you the first part right here, and that's. Who do you think will be Washington's starting quarterback week one next season? Somebody not on the roster. Um, you know, it's weird, right? Because even though Washington has one win, I think there's 10 teams in the league right now or something like that that have zero or one win. I mean, that includes the the two teams with the tie, Philly and Cincinnati. So even if Washington like wins four games, that could be enough to drop them outside the top five, in which case maybe they don't get Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance, if that's the way it breaks down. Um, I I don't see it being Alex Smith. I think we I think that was it's a, it's the comeback of the year. It's amazing. I still can't believe he got out there, but I, I you know <laughs> I'm not buying that he's making that comeback. He was already you know the, the classic game manager in 2018. Now he's that guy with 17 surgeries on the leg. So I'm not counting him. Kyle Allen to me. Like I said, I think he can come in and in a pinch help you out, but I think he's a game manager. Or sorry, he's a backup. Dwayne Haskins, if he's still here on the team after the trade deadline, I would think logically they should play him if they think he has any hope, because why not? But I I'm not convinced either he will be here or that that, that they would do that. So I think it's somebody who's not here now. Is that a rookie or I guess the one thing I have sort of changed my mind on? I've just been assuming rookie. But Ron Rivera, look, he's got a five-year deal, and I don't want to get into his head over too much. He is dealing with cancer, and I do wonder on some level, does he view this as, I'm not, I don't want to view this as like the long rebuild. I may be giving myself this year, but do I want to have pick, I mean, Trevor Lawrence might be different, but if I have a rookie quarterback, that that takes time. We understand how it works. Do I want to waste another year, quote unquote, so to speak, when now I'm two years into my deal, and who knows if that guy will be ready the next year so I, i'm leaning i wouldn't say i'm over to 50 percent that they go with a veteran but i'm starting to put that idea more and more in my head as the season goes along all right second part to that is saying they don't get number one overall but they're in position to take justin fields i'm i'm interested to see what you think the fan base would feel about them drafting justin fields and the reason why i ask you this is because when the cowboys finally went and drafted a defensive back high uh back in 2012 they traded up to get morris claiborne and that obviously didn't work out well and i'm not saying all cowboys fans there's a lot of cowboys fans that still don't like the idea of drafting an lsu defensive back to this day because of that and it's almost like the school has caused this like bias and as you know like lsu has a lot of great dbs and so it just kind of interesting and the same thing with with really uh, Ohio State and I mean quarterbacks lately and and but because of Haskins do you think fans would would, would not be for that because they think oh another Ohio State quarterback this isn't going to work out I mean to have that type of mindset is completely irrational therefore absolutely hundred <laughs> percent that would be a reaction without 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 question I mean Ohio State quarterbacks have not been that great right, right? I mean historically uh, I, ironically enough Joe Burrow was there Haskins beats him out. Joe Burry goes on to have one of the greatest seasons of all time and looks like he's doing reasonably well uh, as a rookie. So, yeah, I definitely think there would be some trepidation. Uh, it doesn't matter when Justin Fields is a different person. Um, uh, all that stuff, 100% people will, would be would be concerned whether, I guess, I don't know if they would be, but uh, meaning the, the organization. But, yeah, 100%, I think there would be some some concern but of course that said if it's not trevor lawrence and we're talking about the kid who went to what north dakota state right like I, if the option is ohio state or north dakota state it might be like uh well i've never seen this guy even play so maybe yeah fine go with the other guy but yeah without question i think there would be some uh, some concern quarterback is just so so weird it's so tough to determine who's going to have success and whether it be high school to college or college to pro i mean you just look at i don't know like even Tom Brady, like, I, I mean, I was growing up watching college football religiously in, in Michigan when Tom Brady was playing there. Like, did I, I didn't think he'd be a starter in the NFL, and then look what happened to him. You know, I mean, Joe Montana's a third-round pick. And then you look at the guys that, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers went to Cal and Russell Wilson. <laughs> I mean, he went to North, North Carolina State and then Wisconsin. Like, there's just, I don't know, like, it's not like you would think, like, 
oh, Alabama's been a power. They've probably had really good quarterbacks. Or even, well, Clemson has. I mean, um, but, you know, even like you mentioned with Ohio State, like it hasn't really been the case there. And uh, I don't know. It's just, it's very hard to predict. Obviously, with the Cowboys getting Dak Prescott in the late fourth round. Um, yeah, it just, it's, it's so difficult to pr- project a quarterback, like who's going to have success unless you get Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning. Like that to me is really like those rare, like once every decade type guys. And obviously, you know, Andrew Luck retired early, but I believe if he stuck with it, I think he wins the Super Bowl with the Colts. So, um, that's, that's another reason why, I mean, there's got to be teams that are just like, I don't care if we go 0-16, we'll wear it. If we can get that kid, it'll be worth it, you know? I, which may, oh, yeah, yeah, which made may, may me surprised that, I don't know, I mean, I guess they went for two because, you know, Washington wanted, you know, whatever. But I just, I, I was kind of thinking that Washington would just try and just tank this whole season to get Trevor Lawrence. Well, I mean, they were most of the year. Ron Rivera was talking about patience. He's saying he's going to keep Haskins in the lineup and even some other young guys because he wants them to learn to play through their mistakes. That he said this is more about the culture change as much as anything else. I took that for his word. And then after week three, the Monday after, he something something changed. He starts talking about winning the division. I guess in part because everybody else sucks and it's just in his nature to want to win. Um, but for what it's worth, like my thing on the quarterback would be, I I don't know how I would prove this uh, in any way but i would suspect that so many of the guys who have succeeded in part it was because they entered into a circumstance where they were had other things around them to make the adjustment that much easier and too many times you see these people i mean Dwayne haskins wasn't the top five pick but he comes into a team that has so many flaws and even if he had any whatever chance he had to succeed it just makes it so much harder when you're throwing him in as a rookie and they don't have stuff i mean i always remember ben roethlisberger went to a, a pittsburgh team that had other things. And also I would never, honestly, I would never play the rookie quarterback year one. I mean, injuries aside, I would not be in my plan. I think, but people are so impatient. They can't wait. It has to happen. And I just think that's one of the big mistakes uh, we see over and over again, that these people are not ready and they're thrown into bad teams. Just wait. If you can build up the rest of your team, that investment gets so much better. Now the question is then when do you pick it? If Washington has a top five pick, do you pass on quarterback? They already did once. They could have taken Tua, but I, I'm not arguing with the taking Chase Young, but they could have already done that. Could have taken Justin Herbert too. Can you pass up on that guy again? I don't know. But if you don't, if you do take that guy, then what? Like I said, they have problems everywhere. So it's a tough call. I just wouldn't play the rookie year one ever. And I would do everything I could to build up the pieces around him before I, I, I thrust that guy into the situation. That's a really good point as it relates to the Cowboys because going back to your earlier point about the offensive line, there is no question that Dak stepping in with that seasoned offensive line, with those weapons, and that, that veteran team, that veteran offense that was really being built for Tony Romo, and then Romo goes down, and he's just kind of thrust into that starting role as a fourth, late fourth-round pick, and then all of a sudden I'm starting week one. There's no question having that loaded offensive line helped his progression because if they would have just thrown him out there with the current offensive line they're playing with right now, I mean, Dak is as resilient as anybody I've ever met in my life. But still, like, there's only so much success you can have in a bad situation. So to your point, absolutely. The, that's one thing right there. Well, I will side with you on the offensive line. If you're going to have a young quarterback, it certainly helps that transition. Uh, again, with me being from Detroit, just watching how – the Lions built things around Matt Stafford. Like he's never, even to this day, I mean, maybe one or two seasons had a solid offensive line. And uh, I've always wondered what he would look like if he had really good offensive line play. And and that is one thing for sure, that the Cowboys had that, that helped Dak Prescott tremendously make that transition as a rookie. Uh, John, I'm, I'll get you out of here on this. We, we went through our questions. Good job there. But I guess technically I have to ask one more. You got a prediction for Sunday, and don't don't give me. You can go with the Mister T line. Your prediction is pain. Other than than that, no, it's 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 tough. I've gone back and forth on this several times. Um, I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna pick Washington. Um, I need to see more from the Cowboys for me to pick them again at any point this season. And so, um, them going for two, I'm telling you, that's really like stuck. I mean, I'm like. Rivera's really trying to win here. Like, I don't know. Unless maybe Rivera knew that that two-point play didn't work, and he was like, no, we don't need any more wins. Run this play. It'll never work. No, but um, I, I, 
I just don't I don't I don't trust anything about this Cowboys team right now. I, I really thought Andy Dalton was gonna play a lot better. I thought he was gonna be protected better than he was last game. And it's like if it looks anything like that, which I anticipate it will, with this offensive line going against that defensive front, I just don't the, the Cowboys defense can't win a game on its own. And so if the offense isn't putting up, you know, twenty, twenty eight points, they're in trouble. So I'll take Washington I'll go twenty seven twenty four. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to go with Washington, probably for the same reason it would be for you to pick Dallas. Like, you watch all the time. But I will say, like, when I was getting ready for this and looking at your offensive line, I'm like, like even one of your backups just had surgery, right? right? That, Brandon uh, Knight, yeah, that, left tackle. Yeah, and so, I mean, Washington's defensive line feels like it's the strength of this team. And, uh, you know, I don't know if Washington's offense has enough especially with these receiver injuries to take advantage of that defense. But McLaurin is good. And Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick, when they're used have been effective. So yeah, I, I, you said 27, 24, I'll just go like 24, 21, something like that. But yeah, I'll give Washington the win. I don't feel great about it. I, I am six and zero this year in terms of the win loss on Washington. Wow. So I don't want to blow my streak. So I don't know. We'll see if this is official by the end of the week, but I'll go Washington. <laughs> uh, 2421. Uh, John, man, I really appreciate it, especially at the la- last minute to, to do this. Uh, obviously, everybody go read them on The Athletic. Uh, y- you know, I do the best I can to read our different writers around the yeah. league. I, it's, too many, it's too many people. Right. But I do read John's stuff, uh, not just saying it's because he's here, and it's really good, and he does a great job covering a team that I need to pay attention to no matter how painful they are. <laughs> so good to see you, man. I, hope, uh, I, I assume you're not coming to town. I'm not. I don't think I'm going to go to any road games this year. Um, our exits has been pretty good from, you know, covering it remotely. You know, it's, I'm sure it's the same with you guys with the Zoom calls and things like that. And uh, um, it's been pretty smooth. I will say this. Our, our after games has been um, a lot quicker because for us, it, it's such a unique thing covering the Cowboys because generally after games, you're going to get Jerry Jones for like 20, 30 minutes. And so that's like a whole nother thing that you might just not even write about the game. You might just write about whatever Jerry said. Well, we're not getting Jerry after games anymore. And man, it would be interesting to have him after some of these games this year. And so that's been a little disappointing. But at the same time, it, it cuts down on our time of just not only talking to him, but then transcribing it and then trying to work it into your copy and stuff like that. So it's been pretty smooth. And uh, but I can tell you right now, if we were able to get Jerry Jones at the stadium, if somehow they set it up where after games we had to stay at certain distance, oh, I'd be going to every road game just just for that alone. But no, I don't, I don't, I won't be there this Sunday. I don't know if I'm going to go to any road games this season. Got it. Well, uh, I've gone to a couple. You're not missing anything. So stay safe. Uh, be, be be smart. And uh, at some point, I'll see you in in person. When I have no idea, but at some point, uh, we'll, we'll make it happen. Thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it. No problem, Ben. Thanks for having me on. All right, that's it for this edition of the Standard Groom Only Podcast. Many thanks to John Machota with uh, our uh, our Dallas Cowboys writer for The Athletic. Um, and just to round out the week, many thanks also to Nikki Jabala, Britt Giroli, and Michael Phillips for their time. Thanks to you guys for checking out the podcast. Again, you can find the Last Man Standing podcast. Oh, oh that, you know what? That's the name of my fantasy football team. It's the Standard Groom Only Podcast. Ignore that. Anyway, I'll probably do that other times too. The Standard Groom Only Podcast on iTunes. Uh, Spotify, anywhere else. Uh, Subscribe. Definitely appreciate it. Uh, That's it for now. Have a great weekend. We'll see what happens on Sunday. But until next time, see ya.